and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me this week. On this week's episode, we're taking a look at our bold series and continuing along the lines of what it means to live a bold life. And by doing that, we're looking at the prodigal son and the story of the older son specifically, as we realize that there are some seriously bold steps that we can take in our own Christian walk that will directly affect those around us the walk that they have with Christ or introduction to the gospel. I'm looking forward to today. I hope you are too. Grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13, and let's dive in. As we continue our series looking at what it means to live a bold life of a disciple, we find today ourselves in John chapter 13, or Luke chapter 15 for that matter, uh, taking a look at the story of the prodigal son. And often so much focus is put on the son, the prodigal son himself, and the dad, and the response that each have yeah, throughout the whole story. Uh, I One of the f- most fascinating things that I actually find about the prodigal son is, is that when the, the son asks for everything that he would have when he when the dad passes away and asks for his inheritance, we find we, we find the dad in a place where most likely he would have actually had to liquidate assets uh, and and sell off some of what he had in order to give the son what he wanted. Uh, and I'm not sure how it worked back then, uh, what mor- mortgage rates were like uh, or refinancing rates were like, but, but that's kind of that... Um, the scenario that would have happened. And and again, so much of what we talk about revolves around the father and the prodigal son. Yet in this picture of bold discipleship, we see that the older son has a very important role as far as how we should be reacting in, in our own lives. Uh, a survey that was done across uh, the U.S. and Canada uh, asked non-Christians what they thought of Christians. And uh, one of the top three was self-righteous. <laughs> it was hypocritical, self-righteous, and uh, I'm trying to remember what the third was. It probably wasn't forgetful. Um, but but self-righteous was a, a really big one. And, and that's kind of this motif that we see with the older son. Remember, so much of this story revolves around the father and the prodigal son, yet the response that we see when love is shown, when grace is shown by the father to the son is uh, is an amazing uh, response that you would not expect from the father. Yet, the response of the older son is probably more of the response you would have have expected naturally to come from the father. You know, what do you mean? I gave you everything already. You know, why why are you back? What more more do you want? Yet that's the response of the older brother in this situation. And and I think we can see some steps that in our bold series, as we take first steps and steps towards becoming stronger disciples. Again, remember disciples being people who are uh, following Jesus and Christ followers, but are also intentionally bringing others along and building into others' lives. Um, those first steps that we take to become more bold in our role as disciples are often difficult steps. Ones that are a little more uh, tough to to take. Uh, for those of you who ever uh, go on a treadmill, my I, when I go on the treadmill, I, I always say the 
the hardest thing when I get on that treadmill is hitting the start button. I will program everything in, how long I want to run for, how fast I want to run, the program of how many hills or how flat it is. That's not a problem at all. But then I come to this reality where if I'm going to run for an hour, I have to hit start. And then I have to start those first couple seconds and first couple minutes, which are always the toughest. I find, you know, by the time I get to that 20-minute, 40-minute mark, I'm in a rhythm. I'm doing good. I'm able to keep the momentum going. Where it's those first five to seven minutes where I am just... Uh, feel like I I want to hit the emergency stop button on the thing. Uh, and that's the same way, thing with discipleship in many ways, is we get confronted uh, with some difficult tasks that will involve some difficult decisions and and difficult responses. And, and hitting that start button and moving forward, it can be a, a difficult one. And we see this with with the older son. If you are in the book of Luke, uh, we're in chapter 15. If you're in the book of John, we're in chapter 13. Uh, but but when we start reading about the prodigal son, or sorry, the, the older son uh, in all of this, we see that the first part of the story brings uh, comes to a close uh, with this message of hope. This reconciliation between the father and the son that says, so they began to celebrate. At, at the Father's command, a party begins and lasts hours. And that's that's where we see a transition in our narrative happen from father and son to now older son. And so they began to celebrate. And then you can, if this was a movie, you'd pan out into the fields where the older son is and hears all this noise. And, and, and perhaps you also know about uh, about this. The older son represents... All those right-thinking, right-living rule keepers uh, who want to see repentant sinners publicly punished to teach them a lesson. Uh, just as the prodigal son lives today, so does the unhappy older brother is probably the best way to, to put it. And before we get too hard on the older brother, I think that we should really recognize that there is a bit of this older brother in all of the, all of us. Uh, right, I say this as the oldest, oldest uh, sibling in my family, which of course means, as you've heard many of time, many times, as I've complained about it myself on this very podcast, about how I paved the way for every other sibling in the house. Uh, my, I had early curfews. By the time it got to my youngest brother, I don't think he had a curfew. I. I wasn't allowed a car until I had graduated from high school. By the time it got down past my two sisters and to my youngest brother, it was kind of like, oh, you're 12? Sure, get a car. Uh, maybe slightly exaggerated, but but you can see what's going on here. Uh, and, and and so there's that sense of, of something being unfair, right? And and we discussed this a little further, and, and there's a bit of this older space older brother in, in each and every one of us. So we can't really get too hard on him. I mean, how come the father didn't do anything good for for him? How come the younger son, 
who did absolutely nothing and left and took everything and made really the older brother and the family have to work harder. Why does he get this reward? The older son is working out in the field when the younger son returns and does not get home until after the party has already started. Uh, You know, there's something about hard work that seems to awaken that self-righteous attitude within us. <laughs> I don't know if you feel this way as well. There's something about putting uh, forth this effort that makes us look down on others who do not. If I am working out in the yard on a Saturday morning and and our kids are, are sleeping in and I walk in and I've done two hours of work already and I come in and they're just getting up and they're having frosted flakes or lucky charms and I'm like, oh, You think you've earned those lucky charms? I've earned those lucky charms. I've been out in the yard working for two hours, you know. Here's some dry toast, you know, and and then you can earn those lucky charms. I'm Hopefully everyone understands that I am. I'm joking. That's not the way that our our house works, just in case anyone's formulating strongly worded letters right now um, about the unfair work practices in my house. But... But but you get this, right? Like there's something about this hard work that sometimes can awaken a self-righteous attitude. And one of the servants tells him that his brother has come home and that the father is exceedingly happy about it. And this news is met with an immediate expression of jealousy and anger. He begins to sulk. He begins to pout. Uh, he refuses to go into the house. And when the father comes out to urge him to come in, all of that pent-up rage comes boiling out. The father's request to come inside and join the family and celebrate is meant with this flood of bitterness. And and if you're in Luke, you'll notice that uh, there's an emphasis on, on self and what the older brother says. He was angry and he answered his father saying, look, all these years I've been slaving away for you, never disobeying your orders. You've never, never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Immediately, it's that unfair practices, right? Uh, verse 30 continues and says, but when the, but when the son of yours, <laughs> I love how this is uh, uh, written, who has squandered your property with the prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. I mean, can you hear the resentment? Can you hate, can you hear the anger? Uh, and, and notice how it is. It's not, and when my brother comes home, who has squandered your property? It says, and when your son, <laughs> there's zero ownership, uh, and and the older son has really thought of him as being completely excommunicated from the family. Maybe you get that. Uh, you ever have those times when when one of your kids is acting up, and and you look to your spouse and you say, uh, "Well, you." Uh, your child over there is uh, acting up or <laughs> even, even better. Uh, well, that's clearly your side of the family, so you should deal with it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's one of those one of those things where, again, you see this older son not even uh, recognize that it's his brother. And it is a very pointed statement. It is very intentional the way that it is written and the way that it's told. And so what I wanted us to do and in, in how we take some bold steps going forward in uh, to alleviate and get rid of that bitterness, to get rid of that self-righteousness uh, that can really bog us down in our walk as disciples is is to take a look at how we can actually take those first steps. And and the first uh 
step that we see and the first mark that we see, in fact, in this whole thing is is this picture of being treated unfairly. You never gave me a goat so I could have a party with my own friends. He felt like he was ignored or forgotten. The This feeling of unfair treatment is always the initial mark of self-centered attitude and not Christ-centered attitude. Uh, it's a sign of, of, of pride. It's a sign of, of a wounded ego, of, of revealing the, the centrality of your own self and the focus that should be only on you is what you're saying. It's the most common expression. And as this story brings out that a bit of that anger that I just simply won't play. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. If I can't have it my way, then I'm not going to play at all. Whatever it is, this I'm being treated unfairly is a is is a straightforward uh standard response that we see for those of us who who wrestle with being a bit self-righteous or being bitter when when we see in this case of the the prayer that the father has probably been praying for for several years answered as he sees his son repent and restoration takes place and so so when you start to think of it now in repentance and restoration and what our attitude should be when we actually see restoration, all of a sudden, uh, maybe our attitude should actually, we see our attitude should change uh, a little bit more. Um, and, and the second mark is really this overinflated view of self that the older brother has. Notice the older brother describes his superiorities and his advantages. The self-righteous is always looking for self-praise. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Uh, from the older son's perspective here, he's been contributing to his father. He makes no recognition of how much the father has helped out, uh, of, of how much his father has taught him over the years. Uh, and, and it says, I never disobeyed your orders. And, and I highly doubt that's a true statement. <laughs> I, I, I don't know uh, about you, uh, but, but I've you ever use those absolute statements? Well, I have never done this in my life. <laughs> and, and it's only greeted with usually a chuckle. Uh, and, and that's kind of what this is here. It's like, I have never disobeyed your orders. And, and I can look back at my own life. And I know for so many of you, you just uh, already believe that I am a perfect child, which is, I mean, 99.9% correct. But but there was this 0.1 time, percentage times out there where, where, believe it or not, when it was Miller Family Fun Day and I was being called outside to do all the work and all the hard labor, and my sisters had to maybe vacuum a 10-foot by 10-foot patch of carpet for their chores, and I had to rake all the leaves in the yard and mow the lawn and do all of this stuff. Um, uh, there was, There's always this, dare I say, there was a bit of resistance at times by myself. And dare I say that I would maybe state that it was slightly unfair as well. You notice I've I've already overinflated myself as far as this view that I should have had of what I deserve, but also this picture of what is unfair. And and also this picture of saying, uh, I never did this. Uh, I was always perfect. And like I said, you know, 99.9% of the time I was perfect as a child. But that 0.1% was probably arguing about uh, the unfairness of what the other siblings got that I didn't get. Uh, and so, 
So we have to take this into consideration here. I never disobeyed. That's probably not a true statement. Uh, no one has ever lived up to the kind of standard that the older son has given here. And it's remarkable how easily he can conveniently forget probably the many times the father has forgiven him over the years. Uh, his view of himself is is that of being completely and, and totally in the right. And that's always the mark of, of self-righteousness uh, in, in everything. Uh, and so, um, you know, throughout it all, you, there, we have to keep this in mind because the next step that we see is to blame the father and his contempt for the brother. The attitude changes. If we allow self-righteousness to water down our mission that God has given us and that bold life is a disciple that we, um, that we're called to live, then this, this, Self-righteousness will manifest itself in this third mark that we see, which is blame for the father and contempt for the brother. Uh, Again, uh, I touched upon this by saying, the son is yours. (laughs) And you can hear the contempt that is in that picture of him saying, it's your son. Uh, And and self-righteousness, we have to understand, is one of the world's most deadly sins. Jesus dealt with it more severely and more sharply than any other sin. Uh, And he could be tender and gracious and accepting toward those who were involved in adultery or drunkenness. But when Jesus faces a self-righteous Pharisee in their smug complacency, he uses words that just scorch. Um, This sin is deadly because it's so easily disguised as something that is justifiable. Uh, This is is what is wrong with self-righteous spirit as we look at this and, and how we try, try and change into living that bold life as a disciple. It can always be proved uh, uh, in, in so many ways that we can always find a way to justify our actions. Yet, almost all the time when we're trying to do justification is in many ways it's self-righteousness uh, as we're trying uh, trying to justify uh, what church is supposed to look like is to be what Christ longs for it to be, a gathering of a place of forgiven sinners. Uh, and and so, so as we transition to kind of some application from this and, and not just, like I said, we can't be too hard on this older brother knowing that there's a bit of this older brother in all of us, is, is that there's some steps that we can take, one from the perspective of church life, and another from the perspective of of our individual walk. So from church life, we know that a church is supposed to be that gathering of forgiven sinners, a gathering where people are going, who are hurt, who are lost, who are looking for hope. And as Christ followers, uh, if we are the ones who are hurting, we know we are the forgiven sinners. But no matter what we're going through, it's to be able to say, I'm surrounded by people who who are giving me that response like the father gave the son and not a response like the older brother. And there's that challenge in that. Notice the contrast with the father in the story. Uh, He said to him in verse 31 and 32, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and to be glad because your brother, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And and so we see this picture, actually, of what genuine community should be like. 
is one that that whether we've got that family member or friend or neighbor who is lost, who stepped away from from really following Jesus, um, and then then when they show up at church again, or if God uh, does something on their heart and and they start asking questions, that we don't show bitterness. That as we see someone who may have been mired in sin. Uh, being restored and see repentance and we see restoration taking place that we would celebrate in restoration as, as one of the, the true uh, strong points of, of what our faith really is. Restoration is a, a, such a bold step and we'll take a look at that a little later on in our bold series. But, but for us in this place as, as a church, First and foremost, we need to be that place where we can have that response of the Father because we know the Father, God, our Savior, has given that response to us when we were that child walking back or finding him for the first time. Repentance and restoration is is so strong and, and is fluid throughout this whole story. The Father offers grace. Son, you are always with me. This is to the older brother. You are always with me, and all that mine is yours. Now, don't be angry, because I have shown love and grace to your brother. Jesus ends the story with this older brother standing outside. And what I love is that we don't know what happens next. He's nursing a wounded ego, and whether he repents and goes in and joins the party or not, we don't know. But the story is obviously addressed to the Pharisees and the scribes in this story who have the same spirit as the older brother. And the question that we have here is, uh, Jesus does not tell us what became of the two sons. He just leaves the ending hanging, which allows us to examine our own lives and ask that question of what this may look like in each and every one of our lives and in the life of church. And what what son are we in this story? Uh, What response are we giving, an older brother response or the father's response? And so my hope that as we look at this and, 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 and build off of, uh, of this John 13 and Luke 15 passage, we ask where we are today. Which brother represents us the most? Do you need to turn uh, around and head back home? Or are you already at home and need to come to the party? Uh, and, and that's kind of where I want to leave it. Again, do you need to turn around and head back home? Or are you already home and need to come to the party? What is your response? The father has enough grace for for both in that story. He's looking for prodigals and he's looking for those who are proud and self-righteous to do a work on their hearts. He welcomes sinners and he welcomes those who are, are smug as well. But there's repentance and there's restoration in store for you as you go down this road. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, I think that's a good way to finish. Uh, And and I want to thank you for joining me. I've been enjoying this series and looking at what it means uh, to live that bold life. So we will continue this next week uh, as as we look at another story as Jesus tells us to drop absolutely everything, (laughs) even our family, uh, to follow him. And we'll take a look at, at what that really means. So I'll leave it there. Take care. Have a great week. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, a part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. 
If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.